Psalms number 27. I don't know about y'all, but there's a lot of heroes in the Bible besides Jesus. In the New Testament, Apostle Paul is possibly most everyone's hero outside of Christ. In the New Testament, though, I want to tell you, there's a bunch of, I mean the Old Testament, but David is one of my favorites. And as you look with me this morning, we're going to be reading one of his Psalms and there's something I don't know if you ever pay attention to in his Psalms, but I don't know about y'all, but where would we be without the goodness of God? And we look around, sometimes people say, how can the world be this way if God is good? The fact that we're still here this morning, the fact that he still allows things to keep going the way they are, is the proof of his long-suffering, patient and kindness towards us, and that his desire to show us his goodness You know, David was a man who had a lot of problems and troubles in his life, and he's writing here, and he's saying in the beginning, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. If you got an NIV, it says the stronghold of my life. Some translations say the fortress of my life. And what he's talking about basically is the Lord is the strength, the stronghold, He's the fortress, he's the refuge in which we are able to run to. He says, because of that, whom should I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he says, when the wicked comes against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. There it is again. Though war may be against me, In this, I will be confident. We're going to look at all of it before we leave. But when you get to the last few verses, in verse 11, he says again, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Have you noticed that in David's life, he's always running from something? Trouble followed David. There was also someone chasing after him. And he says right here, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. But there was something that was greater than all his troubles. Something that was greater than all the things that was causing him to fear. And he says in verse 13, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He said, I would have lost heart. He said, I'd give up unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Not when you go to heaven, but in the land of the living. I don't know if you have looked around lately, but we are living in troubled days. Some of us may have not felt the pinch of it yet, because we've been so sheltered by the goodness of God as Americans. We have blessed with such an abundance of the things that allow you to live a great quality of life. But I'm here to tell you that many of our fellow Americans are feeling the pinch or feeling the struggle of this inflation. And many of us see and we're fearful because you come from a generation who's seen war. You know what it means to be watching loved ones not come home because they go off to fight a war. You understand what it was like when the Great Depression hit and when the things that took life as you knew it and removed it to where every day you was burdened and concerned. David lived like that all the time. If 
Saul wasn't chasing after him, the Philistines were. If the Philistines wasn't trying to kill him, his own wicked son Absalom was trying to kill him. And so when you read the Psalms of David, you see over and over David burdened with the things that brought fear even unto his life. Yet he teaches us something here today when he says, wait on that last verse on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. I want to talk to us this morning for a little while about the Lord is my refuge. I don't know about you, but when I look around at what's going around, I got somewhere I know I can go. I got a place. It's not a, it's not a place like a building, but it is a presence that when you get right with God and you get to know him enough and you seek his face and you enter into who he is and you experience his overshadowing of his wings and he allows you to come under his pavilion and he lets you come under the shelter of his grace and mercy. There's a refuge there for you, my friend. But too many of us are walking around with fear and anxiety and uncertainty and we talk more about CNN instead of B-I-B-L-E and we talk more about all the other junk out there instead of what God's doing in here. And it makes me wonder about us, even myself, why do we let this world, who the Bible says, he who is greater in us is greater than, trouble us so, cause us to think more about it than him, and to lose the great blessings of seeing the refuge that we have in Jesus. Friends, this is what David told us. He said, the Lord is my refuge. What is a refuge? A condition of being safe. Now, I'm here to tell you the world ain't safe today. It never was, it never has been, and it never will be. It didn't start when Putin did what he did. The world didn't become unsafe when nuclear weaponry was, was invented. Back in David's day, a herd of Philistines showed up with chariots, and they broke through the gates of the city and they came in and burned it. It, it you was just as dead from that as you would be from a nuclear bomb Amen. it was just as terrifying but a refuge according to Webster's dictionary is a condition it, it it's it's a condition it's a it's a an attitude it's it's something that happens in your heart can I get an amen it's a condition of safe or shelter from pursuit of danger or trouble Friends, this is what the Bible says. God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. I'm not one of them naysay preachers. I'm not here to preach doom and dread. But I'm telling you, things can't keep going the way they're going and we maintain life as we've known it in America. And the cushy life that we have come to know World peace, cold wars, hot wars, I don't know the difference. War is war, amen? But whatever comes our way, whatever mankind brings upon this earth, if you are saved by the grace of God, if the Spirit of God lives in you, you have a refuge that you can cling to, that you can run to, that will be there for you and never forsake you. And Jesus said, I'll be there even unto the end of the age. A very present help in trouble. Now, I don't know about you, 
I notice that there's some things when I'm walking in a certain way where that very present help is there to where I feel the strength and the peace of knowing I'm in his refuge, but is it easy to lose it? How troubled you can be and still be saved. You know, the Bible says the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. You know, I've heard nothing but bad news about Ukraine, and I'm not here to to, to talk all about that and scare you this morning. But I heard good news this week from Ukraine. I don't know about y'all, but I'm on a, a, a prayer email that comes through a praying ministry through the Southern Baptist Convention. And do y'all know what's happening to Ukraine right now? The gospel is just going forth and people are getting saved like crazy over there right now. They, there are people fleeing Ukraine and there's ministers waiting who represent the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're running with the trouble and the heartache of losing everything they thought life was about, only to meet someone to introduce them to life itself. Jesus Christ. May I tell you, there's something worse than dying in a war or star that's dying without Jesus. And friends, listen, the Lord is also a refuge for the oppressed. He's a refuge in times of trouble. I want you to look at this with me. I will say of the Lord, David said, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, so in him I will trust. How many of you have had bad times? Well, I look around and said, I see the goodness of God everywhere, but I can tell you what, if you got to listen in long enough, we also can tell you about the troubles of life about the times when it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go and it didn't do what you thought it was going to do and you turned a corner and something you didn't expect. I don't care what them TV preachers tell you and how many of them there is. If you get saved, it ain't life happily ever after. I'm here to tell you, my friend. Read the Bible and see what happened to the men of God. You get right with Jesus, you're going to find out what the enemy really is and what he can really do. But you know what you're going to find out? That the goodness of God is real, that you can trust him, that he is a refuge, and that in Jesus Christ it doesn't matter what's happening to you, no matter what's out there around you, he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world, and we have victory in Jesus. Amen? So I want you to quit listening to the flipping channel and go get along with Jesus and get in the Word and get to praying. And watch what he'll do if you're saved. Friends, I want us to look at this this morning together. This is just Psalms. Every one of these comes from David's heart that he wrote. Man, you don't write this kind of stuff because life is wonderful. If you're living your best life now, like one of them smiley preacher boys wrote a book about, you won't never know what David knew about the goodness of God, about his faithfulness and his his ability, if you wait on him, to give you something called good courage and his ability to strengthen your heart so that you do not faint. You do keep running. You do stand tall for Jesus. Even when looks around you don't see how you can stand, he'll make you stand. Look what David says. My soul waits silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. You know what happens to us? We get in a jam, we get in trouble, thing ain't the way you want. You quit doing what David said. He said, I'm going to wait silently for my God alone because my expectation of what I need is from him. And he didn't go 
looking for other people. He didn't try to do like some of the kings later on did. They, they tried to go make deals with other ungodly kings. and They tried to trust in horses and chariots. David trusted in his God. And he said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Friend, it's wonderful to live in America. It's wonderful to think that we've got one of the strongest nations in the world. But friends, I'm going to tell you what, in the end, there's only one defense. There's only one rock you can stand on. There's only one salvation we can guarantee will keep us from being moved. You may not believe this today, but one day America shall be moved. One day Putin's going to be moved. Russia's going to be moved. But may I tell you, there's a rock called Jesus that shall never, ever falter nor be moved. Which one are you trusting today? Because he said, in God is my salvation and my glory the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. David said, the rock of my strength, the foundation that my strength comes from is God and my refuge, my peace, my, my safe place, my stronghold is in God. So he says, trust in him at all times, not when it's good only, not only when you trust in him every day, every moment. Live your life with a heart that's waiting on him to trust him and to let him show you who he is and what he can do. Pour out your heart before him. For God is a refuge for us. Now I want to ask you something. When all these troubles that are going on, how many of us has been pouring our heart out to God about it? How many of us thinking that 2022 is going to fix it? Friends, I'm going to tell you what. If we could get everybody in there, in Congress and Senate, all the people that we think it should be, I doubt very seriously if they'd fix it. So I don't know about y'all. I'm going to trust in the Lord at all times. I'm going to let him be my expectation. Look what David says. He says, my soul is waiting on God alone because he's my expectation. He's my rock. He's my salvation. He's my defense. He's my strength. He's my refuge. God is a refuge for a man who has that attitude in his heart. But we don't all have that reputation. So I want us to look this morning in this passage of Scripture. And it says something about David. And whenever you talk about David, what is the first thing you think about? What is David's greatest thing in his life that he's known for? From the little bitty boy, he picked up a rock. He made me like slingshots. David slayed Goliath. And there's a lot of Goliaths out there. There ain't just a few. But David said, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. That's the thing that I look at David. When I see David in his failure, yeah, he failed, but David's greatness was better than his failure. And David had one quality that I admire. He had courage. He had a good courage. And he said, wait on the Lord. Did you know it takes courage to wait on the Lord and not trust doctors? Do you know it takes courage to wait on the Lord and not trust a vote or a politician or sometimes a person or something here? So God allows troubles to come that there is nothing you can do but wait on the Lord. And friends, there's some troubles around today that nothing will ever fix unless God does. But listen, when he says in the midst of those troubles as you wait, 
David said, be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I want to talk about where did David get that good courage? Well, first of all, I want to tell you something. Waiting on God does not mean being passive and doing nothing, just sitting here. Well, I'm going to just wait for God. You just sit around and do nothing and feel bad for yourself and let sorrow grip your heart and watch what happens. It'll get worse. You see, waiting on God does not mean you just sit around and wait and do nothing. It involves facing the troubles of life, not denying they're not there, not acting like they, I just wish they'd go away. This is what I love about David. David wrote this in Psalm 55. Listen to what he said. David said in Psalm 55, Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would just fly away and be at rest. You ever felt like that? If I could just fly away. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Brother Marty told me one time. I said, man, how's it going? He said, man, it's so bad around here. He said, y'all know who Brother Marty is, my Cajun preacher friend. He said, Brother Marvin, I just want to do like old like old Elijah, and I want to run and for 40 days till I get so far in the woods that I settle down next to a brook and the ravens got to feed me. I'm so far from McDonald's. I just want to get away. You ever felt like that? But friends, you can't run. There is nowhere to fly to. Some people try to run by covering it up with drugs and alcohol and relationships, but when you wake up, they're still there. There's only one that can give you refuge. There's only one way that you can find escape. And it's not from running. It's from saying, here's my trouble, Lord. Now, according to your revealed will of God, show me how to wait. Show me how to pray. Teach me how to live from the word of God. Teach me how to wait on you, God, because I don't know how. I ain't good at it. I'm impatient. I'm an American, so please have mercy on me. Lord, I need to hear from you. I need you to speak into my life. So listen, if you're going to wait on God, it involves facing your trouble, admitting it's there. If you caused it, take responsibility for it. Can I get an amen? If somebody else has hurt you, forgive them. That's the first step. And then say, God, reveal to me through your will so that I wait in hope for your deliverance. Friends, I don't know about you, but when that's in your heart, that's what I believe was in David's heart. And I want to show you what caused him to have that heart in this passage of scriptures we're going to look at. The source of David's good courage, the ability that made David able to wait, is all throughout here. There's some things I just want to look at. I put them all up there. We're going to run through them. But the first thing that I see was David was confident in God. (laughs) He believed God. Do you believe God? Oh, I believe the Bible. Do you really believe the Bible? I love what um, um, D.L. Moody said. He said, one day some young preacher boy is going to show up and he's going to really believe this book and he's going to show all of us other preachers up. (laughs) He said, because we have yet to see what one man filled with the Spirit of God who believes this book could do. Because we all doubt. We all let fear rip us off and we all succumb to not trusting and being confident in God. We trust money, we trust things, we trust people, but we really don't always just silently wait, like David said, on the Lord to be our help, our expectation. 
I want you to see what he says right here. This is the first thing David knew. He said, the Lord is my light. I'm confident of one thing. I was like everybody else for 33 years. But one day I met Jesus, the light of the world. And Jesus said, I didn't even know it at the time, but I learned later what happened. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and if you follow me, you shall not walk in darkness. God gave me light. And David had experienced the light of God. Friends, if you're saved today, it's not because you got smart and figured it out. It's because God gave you the light to see. You was as much in the dark as anybody else. David knew that the Lord was his light. I love what he said. He said, the the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, when you're walking where God wants you to go, you got to have the light of God's word to show you the path. And along the way, you better have the lamp of God's word lighting the way because there's things that cause you to stumble. There's things that you'll stump your toe on. There's things that'll trip you up. The light of God's truth is what keeps you on the path. It's what keeps you from stumbling and faltering. And David said, the Lord is my light. No one gets saved without that light. I love that old song. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord. How many of you seen that light? Because that's what salvation is. Salvation is like being in a darkened room and have never seen anything but shadows and grays. And then one day, poof, the light comes on. And you go, God, look what was all in this room with me. The light of God leads you to salvation. It shows you the light of the gospel. And David said, the Lord is my salvation. He said, so since I've been walking in the light and I have the light, And God is my salvation. He says, whom shall I fear? And friends, he says, the Lord is my strength. When he says that, if you have other translations, that word literally means my stronghold or my fortress, my dwelling place of safety. That's what it means. And he says, he is that dwelling place of safety, my refuge, the strength, the stronghold, the fortress of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I can't help when I read this and I think of David's past that gave him this confidence in his God. As a little boy, a shepherd, God knew his heart. He didn't look like a king on the outside. Even Samuel, one of the greatest prophets, said, certainly it must be his older brother. It must be this one. It must be this one. We're out of sons. Is there any more sons, Jesse? He said, I got one left, but he's the youngest. He's out in there keeping the sheep. Go get him. Soon as Samuel seen him, the Lord said, that's him. Because I don't look at the outside. I look at the inside. I look at the heart. Anoint him. He's my king. And David became king. And David was a man of God's own heart. Saul was having headaches and trouble. So who did they go get? David. He comes down with his harp. David gets to play that harp. The spirit of God show up. Amen. Saul gets a little comfort. Saul gets mad. Starts to get jealous. They had a war. <laughs> and my favorite story of all of Jesse is is David is yours too. The story of David and Goliath. And friends, remember, let me just remind you right quick this morning. As they were down there, it says that there was a champion who went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. And he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel, the armies of God, and he says to them, why have you come out to line up against me? I defy you and the armies of God. Israel, this day, give me a man that we may fight together. And here they were, 
all of the Philistines and all of Israel. And it says, when Saul and Israel, Saul the king and Israel, the army of God, heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then the next thing says, but now David, who was the son of Jesse, an old man with eight sons, a poor man, an Ephraimite from Bethlehem, Judah, David was the youngest of these three oldest sons who had been with Saul. And one day, Jesse says, go down there. We ain't heard nothing from him. My boy's been down there a while. Go down and check on your brothers. I'm going to bless them, bring this cheese, bring this wine, bring them some food, and go down there and see what's going on. David comes down there, and they're all talking. Ain't nobody fighting. They just all dressed up for battle. Reminds me of the church, and that's another sermon. We come dressed up for battle, but how many's really fighting? We told you in our Bibles, we quote our verses, but we ain't really fighting. It's a good fight. But friends, listen, they all scared. Nobody's fighting. David says, what's going on? And they tell him, have you not heard? Have you not heard about this Philistine? And David spoke to the men and stood with him and said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And so they hear him talking. And then it says, now when the words which David spoke was heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him, and David says to Saul, that's right, king, let no man's heart fail this day because of that Philistine, for I will go and fight with this unclean Philistine. Saul says, you can't fight him, you're young, he's been a warrior his own life, he's a giant, he's armed. You know what David said? He already knew what his God could do. He said, I ain't nothing but a shepherd boy. But I've had a lion and a bear show up more than once trying to steal my daddy's sheep. And I killed both lion and leopard. And the same God who saved me from the lion, not the leopard, the bear, will also save me from this unclean Philistine. For as I'm going in the name of the Lord God of Israel, and he goes out, my favorite part about the whole story, is when he goes out, it says that when Goliath seen him, he, he, he he was sickened by him. It made him mad. And as David begins to confront Goliath, it says Goliath started going toward him with his sword. And David, with his stone and his sling, took out running in a trot at Goliath. I bet Goliath ain't never seen a grand ever in his wartime career run to him. But he'd seen a whole lot run from him. David pulled up, stopped, checked, slung that stone, hit him right between the head, and just what he told him, today I'm going to take your sword and cut off your head and feed you to the birds. Friends, you know what? David had confidence in God because David had experienced victory. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? I don't know about you, but I've been defeated. I've been in a hopeless situation. I've seen God pull me up out of the muck and mire more than once when I was going down under the quicksand. God lifted me up, sat me on the right road, took me out of the miry clay, washed me off, dusted me off, said, son, go fight again. For the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. David knew that he had confidence in his God. That's how it all starts. How are you going to have refuge in a God you don't believe can protect you? How are you going to have refuge in a God you don't believe can provide for you? That you got to have money, bank accounts. you got to have all the stuff the world is trusting 
and God. So friends, listen, where does that come from, a confidence like that? It comes from being saved. It comes from having his light speaking into your life. But it also comes, my friend, from having true communion with God. See, salvation is more than walking an aisle, get saved, get your name on a list, get baptized, and then you come to church on Sunday. Salvation is a relationship with the living God to where you have communion with him. You're in fellowship with him. You once were separated, but now you've been reconciled, the Bible teaches us, and you're restored, and there's restoration between you and the Lord. And as the Lord reconciles you, and he begins to show you who he is, and you walk in his light, and you walk as, according to his salvation, friends, listen to this. He will be your strength. He will be your, what gives you confidence. But friends, it comes from being in communion with the Lord. You know what David desired more than anything else? Look at what he says right here. This is an amazing thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord. Man, if we was to really be honest today, what do we want? Well, we want a good paycheck. We want a good job. We want retirement. Lord, we don't want to have to deal with those Democrats anymore. Lord, we wish you would fix America. No, you know what we need more than anything else? We don't need a new America. We need to experience the presence of Jesus. We need to wake up in the morning and sit at the feet of God. We need to go to bed at night and lay on our pillow talking to God. Knowing God is with us. And friends, listen, if there's anything I need, it ain't more money, although I like to have more money. I need more of God. I don't need more of anything that this world can offer me. I need more of God and less of this world, if I'm honest. And look at what David says. Boy, this is one of the most amazing things. He says, the one thing I have desired of the Lord, that which I'm going to seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Why? So that you can hear the preacher you want to hear or the, the kind of music you like or you can hang out with the people that are like you. No. He says that I may dwell in the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Why did you come here this morning? What woke you up, made you get dressed, get in your car and drive to Bethany Baptist Church? If it was to be hear me preach, you come for the wrong reason. It was to hear him and this group sing, or if it was to hang out with who's sitting next to you, none of those are the reason you come to the house of God on Sunday morning. We come to behold the beauty of the Lord to experience his presence. We can have all of that and leave missing the greatest, most important thing, fellowship and in communion with God. And friends, that's what David said he wanted. The one thing, more than anything, was to live in the house of the Lord forever, in the presence, in the beauty of the Lord. Look at what he says. He says, all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. How's he going to hide you if he don't, you don't know where he's at? Friends, I'm going to tell you what, if you want to be hidden in the refuge, you got to get as close to God as you can. And so waiting on God involves being in communion with God. Don't go wait on God at the casino hoping you might hit it rich and pay off your debt. Don't go thinking, I'll go get me something and get loaded and make it go away. At least I won't have to feel it for a few days. No, wait on God with God. Wait on God where he wants you to be. And friends, listen, David knew how to communicate with God. And friends, it, it, it's amazing to me how many people never pray out loud. They never talk to God. 
Except, well, he knows my heart. I talk to him with my heart, preacher. Maybe that's why you ain't getting a whole lot answered. Because when I read in the Bible, Jesus prayed out loud by himself. Look at what David says. This is one of my, the things that really, really, really convicted me. David, I get down there where I'm supposed to be, communicated with God. He had communication. And I want you to see what he says. Look at verse 7. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, exclamation point. He didn't just cry from his heart. He cried with his voice. Look at what he says in Psalm 28, the Psalm over. Look at, look at what he says in verse 1. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Look down at verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Look at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplications. When you look through David's um, writings, his psalms, you'll see this over and over, that David talked to the Lord out loud. Listen to what he says in Psalm 55, verse 16. He says, as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and noon, I will pray and cry out loud. I'm reading it straight from the Word. When's the last time you said, Jesus, I've been looking for you. I'm seeking you. I need to hear from you. Jesus, this is Marvin. Jesus, I know you know what's going on, but I got to let you know how I feel about this. I don't like this. I'm worried about this. Jesus, would you help me? Jesus, I mean, have you talked about God lately to God? Some of us have never done that. But you listen, you don't only talk to him out loud to let God know what you're feeling because he already knows. You talk to him out loud to let the enemy. Do you know the devil can't read your mind? You know what he needs to hear? He needs to hear Jesus. There's power in that name. He needs to hear that what you're waiting on is not for him to leave you alone, but for your God to show up and show him who's boss. He needs to know that you believe in the light of the word of God, that you believe in the salvation of God, and you're confident in God. And though for a season you may be tormenting me, let me have a talk with you, Mr. Devil. I'm talking to Jesus. You hear this? Jesus. I plead the blood over my family. Jesus, I thank you for the grace of God. Would you play the favor of it over my family? Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I believe in it. Because if I hadn't believed in your goodness, I'd have lost heart a long time ago. Jesus, thank you for the good courage to stand up this morning. Thank you for the strength to keep walking this morning. Jesus, everything I got come from you, and I praise your holy name for it. Jesus, you are my God. Jesus, you are my refuge. Satan, did you hear what I've been saying? Me and Jesus have been talking this morning. By the time you get through with that conversation, Satan and his demons ain't nowhere around. But we say all that, but we don't practice it. He practiced it, but it don't do it any good to say it with your mouth. If it's not in your heart. Only God can put that in your heart. It comes from having confidence in his salvation. Walking in his light. Knowing he's your strength. It comes from being in communion and being in fellowship with him. It comes from communicating with him. But listen, when you're doing that, listen to what he says. Let me get back to my text. Look at it, what he says in verse 8. He says, Lord, when you said seek my face, my heart said to you. So it is talking with your heart. But if all you ever do is talk with your heart and you're too prideful 
to talk with your mouth. Friends, I've been in red lights before where people thought I was crazy because I was talking to the Lord so much the light turned green. And Jesus had me sidetracked. People looked at him and said, that fool's talking to himself. Now, they don't think that anymore because everybody's got them things in their ear. The amazing thing is you'll put something in your ear and walk around, don't care what people think. Be talking to, arguing with your wife in Walmart over the grocery list. People look at him and say, look at that fool. He's talking to himself. I'd rather him think I was a fool over Jesus than that. Amen. When's the last time you talked about Jesus? I've talked to Jesus sometimes anywhere, any place. If, if the need arises that I need that Jesus, the first thing comes out of your mouth if you're honest, if you know it. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You ever done it? Be going down the road and run off the road. Oh, Jesus. Get back on the road. Thank you, Jesus. You almost, something gets you. Oh, Jesus, man. Thank you, Lord. Friends, I mean, people that know Jesus talk to Jesus because Jesus is real. That's how David was. He communicated with him verbally, out loud. And because of that, God took care of David. David believed, he knew that God would take care of him. How many of you got a mama and a daddy that you're thankful for? I'm going to tell you what, man. Ain't nobody take care of me like mama. Diane does good as, I better shut up. <laughs> but now, if I'm wanting something that I know she ain't going to be in agreement with, I'll go to mama. But all kidding aside, there's some things mama can't take care of. There's some things our wife can't take care of. And sometimes because of their weakness of their flesh and their fallen humanity, they can't care for us. You see what David said? This is amazing. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me. Do you know how it hurts to be forsaken? By your mother and your father. I don't know, but there are people in this room that know that pain. And I know it hurts and it ain't fair and it shouldn't have happened, but it did. But there's a God who's able to take care of you in spite of the failures of fallen sinful humanity. The best mama has failed. The best daddy has failed. But there is a God he called Father who will never, ever fail you who can take care of you and David knew him and David said when my father and my mother forsake me the Lord will take care of me friends when the government forsakes us we got the Lord when money falls apart and it all goes to nothing and your dollars ain't worth the paper they printed on God still can supply when it's all trouble and we don't even know where to turn anywhere you turn God will be there if you know him He's a refuge. Why? Because he's good. He's not going to forsake us. He's promised to never leave us. And David was convinced of the goodness of God. Now, friends, I want you to think about this. When a man has been saved and he has been enlightened and he knows God to the point that he's confident in God's ability, that he's in communion with him. He wakes up in the morning talking to him. He goes to bed at night talking to him. God talks to him. He's communicating with God on a regular basis. He prays. He's in the Word. He's listening. And he knows God's taking care of him because God's already showed us what he can do. He saved us. He'll be a convinced human being that God is good, because I'm here to tell you, I've had bad things happen, but none of them's ever made me doubt the goodness of God. When bad things happen to you, real, true, knowing God doesn't, 
bad things don't draw you away from God. They draw you to God. And friends, listen to this. This is what happens to us. This is from one of David's writings. David told us, the Lord is my refuge. He said he is all of our refuge. I love this. He says, you are my hiding place. You ever need to hide? He says, you shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. You know, when you're in trouble and you're looking for a place to hide and you show up seeking refuge with God and he begins to sing over you and his spirit begins to sing of the goodness of God and he begins to tell you, you don't care if it's out the hymn book, if it's on the screen, you don't care if what, what kind of music it is. All you know is the Lord singing it to me. And listen, my friend, when God is singing the songs of deliverance over you and you are sitting in his presence hiding with him and he's preserving you from trouble, I want to tell you, my friend, that's a refuge. And that's what he puts in our heart when we trust him. Yeah, we falter. Yes, we fail. But today it all starts with knowing that you're saved. Are you saved? Because if you ain't even got assurance that you're saved, none of this will ever be available to you. The devil's going to rob it from you quicker than you get out of here. Is he the light of your life? Are you letting him guide you? Does his truth dictate what you believe? Is he your salvation? If he's first and foremost, is he the strength, the stronghold, the, re the refuge of your life? Because, friends, when he is that and when you allow that, what a blessing to have Jesus as a refuge. There's been times where I went to bed troubled and couldn't sleep. And in my sleep, God ministered to me. And I woke up, and it was all gone. And I said, Lord, it's still there. What happened? God is what happens. See, God can change your life right now, and he can either fix the problem or he can fix you. But the difference is between God will never leave you. He is here for you. I want to ask you this morning, be honest. Is there troubles in your life? Is there things that has caused you to wish you could just fly away out into the wilderness and disappear? Just this week at Cowboy Church, thank God for a spirit-filled, anointed man of God that can hear. Brother Dennis was given the invitation. And as he was given the invitation, he said the Spirit of God put on his heart. And he always asked people for salvation, but he'll ask specific things and say, if you need God to help you with this area in your walk, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody looking. Well, I knew it was fixing to be serious because Dennis said, I'm fixing to ask a question. Nobody looking. If anybody's looking around, I'm going to pray God strike you blind. He said, now I want every head bowed. Mine was down between my knees because I know that man can pray. He said, God's put it on my heart. There's somebody in here tonight that has recently contemplated suicide. Friends, may I tell you, that ain't an escape. That ain't a refuge. He said, now I promise nobody's looking. I'm looking. If that's you, I won't pray for you tonight. Three people raised their hands in a church service five miles from here. Today, that could be one of us. Friends, we need a refuge, and that ain't it. We need Jesus today. We got families that need him. Your money can't buy them this. Your inheritance won't leave it to them. 
I'm talking about Jesus and having what David had in this psalm. He's here today and he'll give it to you. Can I get an amen if you know what I'm talking about? We're going to stand right now. We're going to sing a song of invitation. It starts with, I'm coming. I'm a sinner. I'm coming to get that settled. I'm going to be saved today. Jesus died for you on the cross. He paid the price you couldn't pay. He took the punishment you couldn't endure. And he took your sins upon himself and died for you as a sacrifice. And he'll save you today. He rose from the grave. No greater problem than that. He overcame it. And he'll give you victory. He'll save you if you'll come. If you'll just walk and sit on this first aisle saying, I need Jesus, we'll make sure you know to leave here with the confidence and assurance that Jesus is in your life. The rest of us, Satan lies, he deceives. The Bible says that Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He might have destroyed, but he, you still got Jesus. I'm going to invite you today to come to the altar if you need to. Come and recommit your life, rededicate and say, Lord, I'm coming today to, to, to draw near to you. Because the Bible says if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Amen. Would you come if you need to come? This is the place where we get help. This is the place where we find refuge. If we can't find refuge here, where will we find it? So I'm asking you, if you need refuge today, come to Jesus. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing and we're just all going to respond. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the witness and testimony of David's life. And though there was trouble on every side, there was enemies for and behind. You continued to hold him up till you was through with him. And then you took him home to glory. Lord, I thank you for his testimony, for his good courage and his strong heart for you. But Lord, he would be the first to tell us today, you gave that to him. You made it possible. So Lord, today, save the lost person in our midst and help the lost to walk in victory. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come.